0: listening to stupid genius stupid genius we have got more of a genius episode today i think
1: this is a totally genius episode we're so excited to bring this one to you because we've got an amazing guest with us today Yes, we do. Who's that guest?
0: <laughs> <So, laughs> Why does that sound like such a children's uh,
1: TV
0: like Mister Tumbles?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so today we have got Chedza Ikhpe, who is the director of the Rara Education Project, an EDI consultant, doctoral researcher. And multi-academy trustee focused on advancing diversity and inclusion in secondary education. I mean, wow, wow, wow. Literally wow. wow.
0: It's, it, it's So many <laughs> achievements, it took you a... I know. ...to say the rest of it.
1: With a strong academic background in psychology, human resource management, and also secondary education, Chedza conducts extensive research in critical race theory and intersectionality theory, amplifying the voices of black women in teaching. As a consultant, yes, she's also a consultant. She delivers tailored training and development services and provides people management support to a range of organizations, guiding them in fostering inclusive workplace cultures. In her doctoral research, Chedza uses qualitative methods to uncover the barriers to career advancement faced by marginalized Black women in secondary education and develop strategies to widen their participation and occupation of senior leadership roles. As a MAT trustee, she strives to drive systematic change Advocate for policies promoting EDI and create safe spaces for racially minoritized staff and students to thrive in. So hello Chad, welcome to Super Genius. Hi. How are you feeling? Um awake. <laughs> yeah. That's the start. Yes. That'll be that massive coffee you just had. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or <laughs> still going through. We're gonna start, we're gonna just kick it off with some Supers and Geniuses, I think.
1: Let's, let's, see let's it. Like, go, on, well, You go. First. Oh no, because why did you do that to me? <laughs> I don't have a stupid. <laughs> and I was thinking, I've got about five more minutes while they say they're stupid to think of a stupid. So, um, hmm, I honestly, that's, that's terrible. But in a way, maybe that's a really good thing that I don't have a stupid because it yeah. means I've had a good week. Yeah,
0: I guess. Or you just haven't been aware of your stupid. I think that's probably more it. I think that's yeah. definitely more what it. about Ronnie
1: and Albie? Is that not? So Ronnie and Albie, chairs. in case you're wondering, are my cats. Okay. Who Emily apparently doesn't even want to hear about. So she told me before, why do I want to hear about anyone's pets? (laughs) No, I don't. Right. And now she's bringing them
0: up. No, no, no. People can relate. Like, well, yeah, because I like you and I like the pets. I know the pets now, so I like them. Don't be sending me random photos of your pets because I just don't want to see them. See,
1: I send Lloyd random photos of random people's pets. But why? You have no connection to them. Because
0: they're so cute. (laughs) I just don't get it. Maybe Maybe I'm wired wrong. But you know in that group chat... The PhD group chat, I'm really going off. One. Oh, there used to be a lot of cat pictures. There were so many cat and dog pictures from people I didn't even know. And I yeah, just thought, that would wind me Yeah, just, and it was automatically saving into my Aww. phone. So now I've got, sometimes I randomly see like someone's random dog and I'm like, who's in this? <laughs> also, everyone's, everyone thinks
1: that their dog or pet or it's child cute. is the cutest. Yeah, because mine actually <laughs> are. But they're though. not, Molly. Oh, stop it. it. <laughs> stop it. Well. Stop. She did ask. So it... Albie and Ronnie, actually, no, it's not that stupid. They've had a good week. Yeah? Yeah, I say a good week. They were fighting the other day. But this morning, no Mm. hisses. No hisses. So you tell me you're stupid. Go on.
0: Uh, I was, like, technically not my stupid, but I um, rocked up, probably, like, slightly too late to my teaching uh, seminar. And I'm not teaching. I'm just a teaching support officer. Um, That's the name. I'm not, I don't call myself an officer. (laughs) That sounds weird. And um, five minutes go and it's obviously five past the the time we're supposed to start Mm. the teacher hasn't showed up yet the lecturer hasn't showed up yet i then email it email her saying like hey like are you showing up Mm. (laughs) are you you coming up and she was like oh my god i thought it was at 12 we've all been there so i was also like all right fine then I get the email saying, I won't be able to make it. Can you take it? Here's my notes. Oh, God. It's like 15 minutes past and I can see the students, like they're starting to wind down their conversations. They're like, come on, what oh. are you going to start? Is it a big class? How many's in there? It, no, I reckon it was about 15. 15
1: people, not class. too bad. Still quite a few though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a when you don't seminar. have a clue what you're doing.
0: And so I then just go, all right, guys, I'm going to teach you the <laughs> seminar just been sent the slides just been sent the notes um let's see how it goes I love that you started with it damn all right all right all right guys and they I I think it was quite humorous I I, I can't say it was a genius because it was bad
1: it was her stupid which by proxy has become oh I looked
0: like I knew nothing about what, what I was talking about and I was like Um, and looking at the screen like what does she want us to do here so actually it reminded me like when you're teaching and when you're um, like lecturing or giving seminars make sure you give what they want from like Mm -hmm. make sure you make it clear of what you want the students to do. Like the objectives. The objectives. And like, if you've got a task for them, put it up on the screen because mm. I was like, okay, well, this is there's a table here. I know she wants us to do something, but what? what?
1: Yeah, so do you know what? With my level five, um, the other person I was on this module with was doing all the, she'd made all the content. She's the module leader. Mm. Anyway, she's gone off on long-term sick, bless her. But I've had to do that because all of her slides, the activity is just written in the presentation notes, not on the presentation but for the students that don't turn up to the seminars they need it on the actual slide so I've gone in and added it in that's good
0: even for the students with like who are neurodivergent or dyslexic or who need that like to look up to be like okay what was I doing again because Mm. you know they need that
2: it's really important so actually I'm very surprised that that this is not standardized practice (laughs) across the board though to like explicitly state what the task is yeah
1: it's it's crazy. We're telling
2: a teacher this as well. Like, this yeah. is a qualified
1: teacher She's probably thinking, what the fuck? Not-
2: because, like, cause surely you should make your lesson so accessible that if a student is not in the room and they're learning from home, they should be able to access the slides right. and just do it as if they were in the room. Yeah. Or, like, in that instance, you need somebody else to take your lesson. Yeah. It should be, like, so explicit, like, layman's terms accessible no i agree i think what happens is
0: the lecturers i don't know about this lecturer she's she's actually really good and she's i think we've been sent the slides from years before so i think it's just a delay thing but i think lecturers are very bitter in terms of if you don't show up to the lecturers, then you're not going to be able to access. They, but what if it's beyond my... That's literally what I think. I think, well, what if the student actually can't access
1: yeah. and come in? I must admit, I don't make my stuff accessible prior to the seminar or lecture. Okay. Because is in like, I don't make it available because then they won't come, some of them. Yeah. But as soon as the lecture or seminar finishes, literally the second it finishes, no, that makes I upload sense. it. I
2: agree with that. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I'm, still, I'm still unsure on that because I think sometimes students need to have a prior look but at what's
2: no they can get reader materials and that's more than <laughs> enough to yeah actually the yeah, true. That's yeah true that's true yeah yeah that's true okay because that's that's your job otherwise they don't need you if they can get it before and after it's like well they won't yeah. show up and yeah. if you
1: think at the moment like i don't know um what it's like at university of chester but post-reading week leading up to Christmas, we've dipped to, like, 30% attendance. Like yeah. That's just pretty standard. Yeah. Oh, that's standard. Do you know well, what I mean? So if yeah. you're then going to give them everything they need prior they no to the reason to show up. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. We may as well just quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are we here?
0: Yeah. Right, right just go good. on. What's
2: your stupid chance? All right, mine's not a recent stupid, but when you asked the question, I thought, this was probably my most stupidest stupid in my PhD. Ooh. Oh, this is juicy. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, this. I hope it's juicy enough. So I was in a progress meeting with my supervisors because sent over my methods mm-hmm. chapter and I said, what do you think about... No, it was my introduction. What do you think about this? And their first bit of feedback was, why did you write your introduction in third person? <laughs> I said, well, it's an academic piece. Like, I, I don't know how to write, like, an academic piece at PhD level. I can't, I can't use I and my and me. Like, I'm well. not storytelling. It's an academic piece. And they were like, can't you just write in a passive voice? And I was like, no... No, but like this was this is an academic piece. I referred to myself in the third person. Well, as it's like this as in my surname, 2022, <laughs> like throughout the whole piece. Well you referenced it's just I referenced what? myself <laughs> about the whole of that first chapter. And that was like the beginning of me, like trying to figure out how to write a PhD level. Oh. And I had to go through the whole of chapter what changed <laughs> So I had to like search every time like I referenced control my F. Yeah, control oh. F. And then what did you change it to? I had to, like, change the whole sentence and reframe it into yeah, a passive yeah. Yeah. voice. Like, it could be suggested rather yeah, than... Yeah, yeah. Rather than... Chandler I thought it, 2023, 2023. <laughs> said that, thinks this. And when I think That's back amazing. at it, I just think, what on earth, how did I arrive at that decision? Do you know too? what? I wish we did write like that.
0: I wish we did. That'd be so fun. And I actually love that because some people, you go into the PhD not knowing anything.
2: Because I, I genuinely couldn't figure out how do you write at PhD level. Just I just haven't yeah yeah and if you haven't
0: been
1: taught or if you haven't come yeah. you know from what? that background like we're laughing but it is awful isn't it because you start a PhD yeah and there isn't I know it's a, its not meant to be a taught program right and I get yeah. that I don't expect it to be taught but it is crazy how little guidance you actually yeah. get you yeah. know the fact yeah. you're to just be able to do just it just get on with it yeah.
0: yeah I can imagine though the lecturer getting your supervisor getting that piece so of going, confused oh no
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> But I'm glad they told me right at the beginning before I went through. Because imagine going through and eighty thousand plus words <laughs> and trying to remove every third oh person reference. It just
1: shows how important it is, isn't it to be getting those drafts to you, super. Yeah, idea? yeah,
2: yeah. Oh my gosh!
0: I know my first like piece that I sent um, in uni didn't have any references at
2: all. It was yeah, my opinion. <laughs> I, was, oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I
1: same with that. I just, you just didn't don't know. know what you don't know, though, I do you? Know. Emily's like, I had a dream. <laughs> yeah. I think people should run faster. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, should we go for so, yeah. some
0: geniuses? Come on. See. see, I actually
1: do have a genius. Yeah? Yeah, so I can start with that. So, I have two. Go on. Little tiny ones. So, yesterday I ran my longest ever run. That's amazing. How long? How long was that? Um, 6.3 kilometres. Very That's nice. good. That's and good. And it's, when I say a run, it really is a jog. Okay. And when I say a jog, I mean, my husband probably walks that speed. Oh. But for me,
2: it feels like a run, right? That's a run for you. Yeah, it's if that's, if that's a run for you, that's a run. Don't for give you. me your teaching voice. That's good. Well done. You well, the gold star for that
1: one. Um, yes, for me that was very good. My thighs are still hurting, mm, so that's yeah. a plus. Mm. But no, my actual my PhD genius. Well, no, I can't say that anymore. Fuck. No, not your PhD genius. My academic genius. Damn, oh, doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Do you miss being a PhD student? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wait, have you already graduated? Yeah. Well, congrats. I finished. Oh. My, I did
2: my Viva last Na- month. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I can't Graduation next year. Oh, this is the graduation congratulations, part. though. Thank man. you. Well done. Two and a half years. That's a milestone achievement.
1: Yeah, yeah. It does feel good, but then, as M sort of says, like I do miss it because. Yeah. Doing a PhD is hard. We know that. But mm. I think the workload as a lecturer is so much harder yeah, in a way. Yeah. It has different challenges.
0: Do you regret not taking more like holidays and maybe yes. taking it?
1: Yeah. Well, yes and no. I do regret that because I very much was like eyes on the prize, mm. on the track, just mm. didn't let myself deviate. And that was good. good. But yeah, now I can't have holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like maybe I should have had them, particularly because I was funded. Mm. So I could have dragged that out. But at the same time a job came up when it came up and like and yeah. you took it. Yeah, so I can't really, you know, regret that. No.
0: Oh, the my academic <laughs> genius <laughs> do you regret your life decisions and everything you've done in your life
1: whole life my genius is that I can ramble incessantly about nothing um, no so I wrote a, basically a call for um, papers for this special issue came out mm. um, maybe like three or four weeks ago and I saw it and I thought Ooh, well um, that actually could be a bit of me mm. my research is quite aligned it's a four-star journal so it's not very likely that I'm going to get accepted but you know worth the shot mm-hmm. um, anyway I managed to put together a 3,000 word proposal for oh it Nice. yeah so a lot of it is cut and paste from my phd Mm. it's more crafting it into something else Mm. but um my lead supervisor is going to be a co-author on that because obviously it's from the phd yeah so i sent it across to her yesterday and i can see she's actually just emailed me back some good feedback
2: Mm. nice yeah oh
1: that's okay what else is nice and um i'll just say this because i think we've talked about it before like the importance of networking Mm. and how in academia that's so 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 helpful Mm. um the people on the pod like our listeners might remember me talking about i went to seattle Seattle, 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 <laughs> I went to Seattle, they don't even talk about that. No, that's a bit more, I don't even know what that was, but, you know. but I went to Seattle, like so, alone. <laughs> Seattle, Seattle, um, I went for a conference last year, and I went as like a quote unquote emerging scholar, it was like right, an award okay. thing, and I got buddied up with a mentor, Nice. anyway, he is the person that I reference most in <gasps> this particular piece of work, he's like the the big dog, and um, I emailed him and said, would you mind just glancing over it, and he said, "Yeah." Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I just, I think a lesson to be learned in it is like lean into these networks because yeah. you never know when you're going to need them. Definitely. Yeah. And like when I met with him in Seattle last year, I then thought, I want him to remember who I am. So every like maybe six months, I've dropped him a question over Good. email. Oh. Just to keep that sort Could of. Just so on it. Stay I? on his radar. Yeah. Stay on his radar. Yeah. So that felt quite genius. But what about you? Have you got a genius this weekend? Um.
2: <laughs> Like that face, your brains, brain genius. <laughs> Actually, do you know
1: In Cumbria, where I'm from? They yeah. have gurning competitions. It's a yeah, I've seen Cumbrian this. Thing. Yeah, that's In Cumbria. Well, they are just like yeah, and you definitely gave <laughs> them a run for their money there. I reckon I could do that. I've
0: got a big mouth, <laughs> big mouth, small head. It's just an, it's an impressive feature. Um, God. No, I haven't got really any geniuses, if I'm honest. She I'm, can put a fist in her mouth. I can put my fist in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> what? I can. That's not my genius. You I'm going to ask actually. you
2: to do that at the end of this no, episode.
0: I mean, Molly's I'm got really... a photo. She can show you. Oh I actually <laughs> I do. Um, I have been putting together my discussion part of my chapter two. Mm. It's been taking ages. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm struggling. But I guess I'm getting through it. So that's my genius. I'm getting there.
1: Yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> and sometimes that is all you need from a genius mm. is just that you're yeah. making progress even if it's tiny progress mm. it's still progress
0: mm. yeah yeah uh, that is literally i haven't really had i don't i don't think i've had a stupid week but i haven't had a genius week you know mm-hmm. like yeah nothing i nothing i can think of i haven't even made some nice food to oh. be honest <laughs> like that's, that's, so sometimes that's my genius like oh i learned how to make this well hang
1: on a minute what are you not sharing the news oh that's what a... news
2: <laughs> oh what i adopted news? a cat oh
1: okay yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how is that what news how is that, <laughs> how is that
0: not your genius um <laughs> Because I guess yeah, it it feels quite stupid. (laughs) I love the cat. I want the cat. I feel like it's genius, but also at the time I'm in, I'm like coming up to the end of my PhD. Pretty poor timing for me. (laughs) Do you know what? I don't care. Launch the cat. Maybe that's why I haven't been be able to write my discussion, and I don't want my supervisor. to Let's all
2: blame the cat. All right, it's
0: the cat's fault. It's Monty. That's his name. Monty. Pitbull name Montgomery. Little Monty. Yeah. If he's feeling fancy, but we call him Monty.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your genius? I need to stop talking.
2: (laughs) Ooh, right. Again, it's not a recent one. My genius is that when I was at my data collection point of my PhD, I transcribed every single interview in my sleep. What? (laughs) Thanks to Otter AI. (laughs) Round of applause for AI. (laughs)
0: To be fair, auto AI is amazing, I actually it?
1: had mental ideas of you being a Same. senior. Auto AI. Same. I was like, that's impressive. Just like you just shut your eyes and just... Like, you know, you see on Instagram, those people that like make sandwiches in their <laughs> shit, and they're shit. And there's Ted's just like... No,
2: <laughs> no, but for me, the reason it was genius is the amount of time saved yeah. just... Yeah. Not having to do the manual labor of line by line. Whereas in that same year, I spoke to other people doing their PhDs and they were listening to every single so audio. Otter, <clears throat> Otter saved your life. So, basically. what is it? So, Otter AI is an online platform that uses artificial intelligence to transcribe your videos interviews right. audio files for you and all i did was after doing all my interviews uploaded every single one individually labeled them um so all, all i did was export them from teams yes. through all the videos in otter ai woke up the next morning and every single interview was transcribed with the person the timestamps, and everything is that a paid one
1: you can pay for premium you have 300 minutes for free right because i did use some of the ones that had like that like 300 minutes for free and i'll be honest i actually used my sponsor my what do you call it then Stipend, stipend. Yeah. yeah, I paid a professional transcriber yeah. because I'm the same as you. Why people choose to transcribe? Why would you manually all do all of that? them? Do a few of them. To be fair, I think it's fine because you get to know the data and all that. But mm. all no, of
2: but them, even then, it's unnecessary time spent because for me, because it was all done manually, automatically, it meant that I wasn't spending time trying to type. It was just reviewing yeah. every single one line by line. But some people might argue that, well, I've almost like dissociated myself from a data set and unfamiliarized myself, but it's like, well, I conducted the interview. I was sat there. Yeah. I asked the questions I engaged in that conversation, and now I'm reviewing it by listening and reading over again, knowing that it's already done. but the hour, I couldn't imagine like sitting there for like a whole day, like transcribing so, one interview. days.. So I, I, yeah. it. Yeah. I
0: started with transcribing it myself. I did uh, one participant. It took ages. How many hours? Days. I, I think it took like two days and I kept on falling asleep on it because it was so it's just such a boring task but that's, then I used otter and because some of them were old and had accents and uh, and yeah. so otter wasn't matching up to like it did it did a few yeah um, and then I did 10 through otter and then right. I realized oh okay you know what because I'm gonna have to I had to recheck it to so yeah. make sure your audio is good quality and yeah. then I paid someone um, To do it, to hook to trans, up, yeah, yeah, to transcribe. <laughs> almost for that me. expensive
2: paying someone to do it because they, they charge by the hour, don't they? They do. It wasn't by too
0: expensive. Minute.
1: By the minute. So mine was about 800 quid for about 25 transcripts.
0: 800? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a lot. <laughs> Whereas Otter is like £90 for the year i only paid for the month no
2: i pay. Way. i only paid by the month so i maybe is it maybe 20 12 yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. pounds a month yeah. max so and i had 20, all 20 interviews transcribed and were they all perfectly transcribed yeah i'd say 90 percent. so wherever i had accents like a birmingham accent mm-hmm. or like yeah. a yorkshire accent or scouse accent there were some bits where i had to just go back and that was the p- point of the exercise going through every single one to make sure that it word for word it was correct Accuracy, yeah
1: um, i think some of mine I, I conducted them in quite like busy you know like hotel lobbies no mine like,
2: was mine was during covid so it was always at home a clear clear uh, clear audio from both sides yeah so so it so was good. no interference so it was i yeah. say 90 plus percent was
0: great that's amazing that's amazing i would say oh yeah 100 percent. that's genius as soon as i realized that not everyone is just like sat there transcribing all the interviews so i was like I felt like it was cheating,
2: yeah. but it's so not. Well, I think yeah. a lot
1: of people do still transcribe. They them, still do, guys. If you're listening, hit don't up a transcriber. Whether it's automated, whether it's yeah. a person, whatever. I mean, I only did that because I had bench fees to spend, and yeah. I was like, do you know what? It's a good way to spend them. Yeah, but um, yeah, eight hundred though.
0: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? That is crazy. I think I spent three hundred on mine.
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this I think is hurt. it's this 20pm minute or something. I don't know I don't know. because I know some people charge by the minute or by the word or by the number of pages don't they like right. yeah and they oh.
0: also charge extra for like if there's multiple people so that's yeah. probably why yours was a bit no
2: no
1: no but I had a lot of hours as yeah okay, okay that makes a difference yeah. then yeah yeah Whoa. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <crazy. laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about now should we should we
0: try and go on to the ramble let's ramble <laughs> Okay, so in today's main ramble, we are discussing diversity and inclusion of racially marginalised staff and students in educational settings. And as you already know, we are joined by the amazing Cheds. Mm -hmm. Um, As our listeners have heard from our introduction of you, you do so much amazing work around Mm. the issue, and it's so hard to know where to begin. Mm. But could you kick us off by telling us a little bit more about your brilliant project, the RARA Education Programme?
2: First of all, it's not R-A-R-A, okay? It's R-A-R-A. R-A-R-A. <laughs> I knew that. As
0: soon as I said that... I was waiting for you to say that. that. As soon as I was like, I was like, she's done it again. <laughs> what happens? Can I just say... <laughs> Um, do you know what it's like right, actions, right. Right. if I had to say that are 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 right. Right. I knew it you know you go on basically I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on my dyslexia you know oh I thought you were gonna blame it on me so that's alright like yeah when I read, I literally go into this, like, world where I don't... say it as you see I'm it. I'm saying it as I see it. Yeah, you go yeah. robot mode. I go robot mode. <laughs> that's all right, though. We um, all do that from time to time. But that's good. In case people are reading it, <laughs> it's R-A-R-A. Yeah. It has happened loads of times, to be fair, so yeah. <laughs> no, it's R-A-R-A, which I is so much more that. fun. Because I you... feel like I want to do, like, a little... Shoulder Yeah,
1: little shoulder
0: squiggle. But it is a real issue, Molly. Be serious, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And could you tell us a little bit more about it?
2: Um, yeah, so RARA stands for Real and Authentic Representations of Africans and Caribbeans. Um, I feel like I said that with a Scouse accent, so sorry. I hate the Scouse accent it's, so much. It's so contagious. I'm going to fundamentally strive to speak in a Yorkshire accent henceforth.
1: You okay. also can't sit in Liverpool John Morse and say you yeah, hate the Scouse accent. i this before when we were getting coffee. Oh, yeah. oh really? To the really Scouse Bloody work. Yeah.
2: Woman working. Look, she was like, oh God, I thought I sounded scouse. Then I was like, well, that's was, that was okay. Anyway, start that again. So yeah. Um, so about Rara then. So we started Rara 2020. Yeah. And that was a response to everything that was going on in the year 2020. So that was post-George Floyd. It was, yeah. oh my gosh, what do we do? How do we respond? But the main conversation myself and Emma, my co-founder, was saying was. How do we respond in a way that shows our commitment to the cause? Mm. Because you've got everyone like throwing up black squares on Instagram. It's like, yeah, we're all collectively changing the world by throwing up a black square on our Instagrams. Instagram. Yeah. Um, but for us, it was beyond like the emotional response. How do we respond in a way that builds community, that educates the community and just adds some kind of tangible, sustainable value? So we started off with just setting up some community projects, um, documenting stories, perspectives, just how are people feeling about what's going on in the world? So blogging about it, interviewing people just like this and just kind of gathering what the community felt about what the climate was saying for us. Um, And that evolved into then going into institutions and, and speaking about our experiences, which evolved into consulting and delivering training and development services to institutions that said we do not have a clue how to respond to what's going on in the world please help us um so yeah it's amazing here we are today honestly it was you like think
1: you've done all that in what i was gonna say two years but we're three, 2023 so three and a bit years that, that's yeah, crazy years.
0: incredible that's really good because i think like a lot of people almost like the greenwashing and and all that sort of stuff people wanted to support yeah. when, you know, um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement yeah. happened, but no one really, it kind of... Felt like tokenism. It didn't did. It, it really, it really was. did. And it... Probably yeah, it was. It Let's... really
2: was because it was companies like throwing up statements on their websites to say we're inclusive, we don't stand for racism, <laughs> yeah,
0: like Nike, you're, you're you matter or, or, or <laughs> and something. And their it's slogan, like, it's sp- like
2: what? And then you had like people like throwing funds into like EDI all of a sudden, so everyone suddenly had EDI budgets. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward three years later, suddenly there's not that much funding left for EDI projects in corporate, and it's like mm-hmm. well, again like. You only reacted to what was politically trending at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. I do think, I mean, this is a whole different topic, but I do think things trend and people yeah. jump on it. Yeah. Because um, it looks good, doesn't it? It does look good. And what? hopefully this will have a longer impact, yeah. um, which is really nice to see. Go what on. would
1: you say, because I know you've done loads, like you've already said there, you've worked mm. with institutions and organizations and you've done all this amazing stuff. So mm. is there any like highlight moments anything that stands out that you think bloody hell like that's so cool we did that
2: yeah I think my favorite one was going back to my old school Abbey Grange Academy in Leeds (laughs) (laughs) Um, and um, we did a fundraiser a year or two ago and it was trying to address the problem of students that did not have access to education so while I was teaching I found that there was a strong majority of students that weren't accessing learning over the lockdown because think about um, a household with four kids and you've got the older kid that's doing the GCSEs and then the other kids are in the years below. You've got mum and dad that are also working from home and there's like one computer in the house. Yeah. So it was, well, they would prioritise the student that's got exams this year and the other students weren't accessing learning. So like there were so many kids just dropping off the radar during lockdown. And there was such a huge like knowledge gap. Um, and so for us, it was responding to that and thinking, okay. So for the students that are trying to prepare towards exams in the following year, how can we step in and help them to access learning, even though there is that um, disadvantage of we don't have the resource at home? So we we did a fundraiser in the community. Everyone chipped in, and we were able to raise funds for about twenty plus laptops to give. Whoa, literally went into amazing. my old school and gave these these examining institute these year year tens elevens um, laptops and. The day that we went in, like my eyes, my eyes can start watering now. <laughs> Oh. but um when we went in and we spoke to the kids and we didn't tell them at first why we were coming in and um, we just said that, oh we want to speak to you about like how you're getting on in school we're from this organization and this is what we're doing and just hearing them kind of sharing their thoughts their challenges and what they think their school could do to improve and by the end of this like little workshop we did with them we were like so just before Christmas we would like to gift you with these laptops and like just looking at like their faces change like oh my gosh I'm going home Life with a laptop like as a 16 15 year old if you haven't even had access to one at home it's like to have my own and i get to go home with it and just look at like one of the kids one of the little girls at the end came and gave us a hug Aww. and she was just like thank you so much and you know, when you only see the gratitude on their faces yeah. and i remember just feeling like wow like we've probably made a difference like for the Definitely for the child that might be just that little bit more encouraged to just Study harder well, and do more. Just yeah. the motivation, like I can access You've learning. You've given now. that person, that child, a chance. Yeah, uh, yeah, literally a chance to
0: access. Yeah, access learning and learning yeah. tools, and even just being able to be independent.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh my! I gosh. mean, some people might criticize it and say, well, how do you, how are you contributing to their learning or how did you're not going to solve the world's problems by giving them a laptop? But for me, it's those, it's the little things, the little things that we do to make a difference in people's lives and not knowing how that might impact that adult person when they're like, well, when I was in year 11, the one thing that pushed me, and that might just be the reason they get a, an A, not a B, or a B, not a C, or a C, not a D, yeah. um, but just the little, the little impact that, We'll never know. I don't think it's a little impact; it's a big impact. So that's yeah. infectious. Like I think
0: we all have stories of that one teacher or that, that one believed, person that believed in you, or even just said that one thing that gave you that push. Yeah, um, is always just like repeats in your adult yeah. head. So I yeah. don't think. And then, and then we go on say like me got a try going to inspire other people or or say something positive yeah. because someone did that to me. I yeah. think I think it has a bigger impact than you. Even. Yeah. You're talking yeah. it down, but. That's huge. Yeah, that's yes, huge. It
2: was a highlight for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids don't care, but I loved it.
1: <laughs> the fact it was like your old school as well. Yeah, it was like given very of there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like the way the world is now. I mean, you know, if they are thinking of applying to university or anything mm. like that, you can't do any of that stuff without mm. a computer or a laptop, no. can you? It's just not possible. Like even when we were at school, God, I did my GCSEs, what, like 15 years ago. Mm. But I remember <laughs> we we didn't have a computer in the house and I yeah. used to have to go to my mum's well, work go. and sit at a yeah. desk but not everything was online then so it was doable yeah, yeah. It, it, it was now, all right but now you just couldn't manage it yeah. like so i think like i yeah. said that's a huge thing i know it. i was behind and everyone had like i
0: we had one computer and we still have one computer in my house mm-hmm. my house is very like out but i remember everyone was already quite well ahead in mm-hmm. terms of technology um and then when i started going on laptops in college um, I was clueless I was yeah. honestly clueless I was like I was so overwhelmed by how much I was behind mm. and everyone could access stuff and log in even coming to university I remember yeah. logging in being tough mm. like yeah. I remember finding the
1: login and being like where the hell because I didn't have that Mm, access we, to it and, get and, a lot and of again now like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have to do it with them because it still surprises me because how the students now but maybe that's why they haven't had access to it because yeah. they come and they really struggle with yeah. what you would think are basic sort
2: of digital skills computer yeah. literacy is such a big thing massive yeah. i didn't realize this i was just like when i was teaching i couldn't understand the amount of students that didn't know how to send an email or send a formalized email and say good morning miss such and such information and sign it off or, yeah I don't know how to attach a document to an email. And I was like, whoa, like these A-level students going into uni, they don't know how to do the basics. Yeah, that is mad. Because
1: like my, both my sisters have got kids, like quite a lot of children, (laughs) basically all football team. (laughs) But they vary in age from like baby to Mm. eight. And all of their homework is online, you know.
2: Isn't it? Apart from like reading books. Especially since COVID, everything's digital now. Yeah, they all have to have like iPads
1: and stuff. Wow. So that is a lovely highlight. That is. I would, yeah, I wouldn't talk that down. (laughs)
0: I would I'd be screaming that. If that was me yeah. and I did that, I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway.
1: Thinking a little bit more about Rara then. <clears throat> um, on your website, so you've already mentioned that you do your blogs, which yeah. you know we've had a read of and they're brilliant. So listeners, um, if you want to check it out, what is the full website for Rara, by the way? Case... Raraeducationproject.org. There we go. So yeah. go check it out, listeners. Um, and one of the blog posts that you relatively recently focused on was mm. about the ethnicity pay gap, mm. um, particularly in the UK. Um, And in it, I think you explained that the ethnicity pay gap, um, this is a quote, is a stark reality in the UK and black people face one of the most significant disparities. On average, black workers earn less than their white British counterparts Mm. and black women face an even greater wage gap. Mm. So we wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about this, particularly in academia, but just generally as well. Um, And I mean, this is a huge question, but have you got thoughts on how we might go about addressing that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah because the answer's huge
1: it's so but, huge and do you know what you know it probably is an overwhelming question to ask so if you just can't can, have I can thoughts, I, yeah
2: yeah I think at the simplest level how do we respond to the problem of um of the ethnic pay gap it really falls down on those that have decision making power because let's say all three of us are colleagues unfortunately you can't help me get the same pay as you because you don't get to make that decision, even if you had all goodwill and intent to do so. But it's those that are empowering. And the question is how do we make those decisions? How are they making those decisions and just kind of questioning those processes? the um, Same way that we said, you know, we question recruitment practices. How do you ensure that you're doing it without bias and you are just hiring people on account of their credentials and their skills base only not on account of whether you think you like them or not, you know, mm. um, It's sometimes you find that um, those that have decision-making power are either having friendships or have more of a liking towards certain staff. And as such, they're more likely to advocate for those people in a room. And there are some people that we, someone like me, won't get that seat at the table to influence that kind of decision-making. But if there's an advocate for me to say, well, Cheds has the skills, she has the capacity, we've seen her work, can we consider her for a promotion? Do we have those people in the room that are going to advocate for all, or is it that is it that we're just trying to get in there for our friends? Mm, yeah, or those it's, that it, we think we like, right? And that's why it's like a almost like that phrase, a boys' club. That a boys' club. That's it. Um, so for me, I think it really is just questioning how those decisions are being made at the simplest um, level. But I don't want to get into the politics of it, really. We <laughs> we start talking about the institutional and the systemic. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but at the root of it, I think it's it's people, isn't it? It's not computers, it's people making yeah. those decisions. So if we can have conversations around fairness, mm. around how those decisions are being made, I think we will see some movement.
0: Do you see like, um, it's just a sparked question, in you know being transparent and how much people get paid, do you think there's a positive in that? Because I know... In the past, everyone was so touchy about um, asking the pay. And Mm -hmm. I know... Even I asked Molly, and Molly's such a close mate. I was like, "Oh, how much you want? Don't worry if you don't want to tell me." Mm. And you were like, "Oh, bless you. Yeah, it's this much."
1: Do you know what? I was literally about to say this because even though, but in uni's, yes, it is all quote unquote transparent, and you can technically Google anyone's pay. Mm. I don't think it has changed. I do think that everyone is still quite hush hush about what they're I think paid. There's, and- I
2: think there's a British politeness about it. In yeah. it, like it's almost impolite to ask someone, but it's just it's a very simple question: How much are you getting paid? Oh, yeah. okay, that's more or less than me. But all because right, should we talk about it and should we bring it, raise this concern? That's to- just yeah. it. Because I find that people... The people in my life that ever challenge their pay, the only reason they challenged it is when they found out that their counterpart in the office was doing exactly the same as them and getting more. But if they hadn't had that conversation, they wouldn't have known to challenge. So I say yes to your question in that if we can make that conversation very open, honest and transparent, then we'd probably deal quicker with the issue of people being paid unfairly because you won't be able to hide behind that British politeness of, Mm. oh, let's not talk about that. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know. I guess so, like, if you're listening... Just be frivolous with how much you're
1: getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't. Do you know what? I have an example of this and I'm not I'm gonna... on fifteen K. <laughs> <laughs>
0: actually, got pay rise seventeen, I think. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: but that's that's after tax, to be fair. It's quite a good side It is a good side um, It is a really good side But no, I actually have a proper tangible example of this. Um, and as I said, I won't name and shame the company, but <laughs> do, I <was> it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. I was working for a recruitment company. Right. There we okay. go. That whittles it down a bit. And, um, and I negotiated a pay that was right. like, I, would, I negotiated 23K. Right. Whereas it was advertised at like 18. And right. I said, I'll do the job, but I'm not taking anything less than 23K. And they accepted that. Mm. But the manager told me at the time, your two colleagues, they were both on 18K. Right. And she said to me, don't tell them. I'm asking you not to tell them. And I thought, well, I only planned to work there for a couple of weeks because mm. I was in between jobs. I thought <laughs> I thought, well, okay, whatever. Anyway, the more the job, the longer the job went on, because I ended up being there for a couple of years. And I, oh like, I felt so awkward. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> and now I'm mates with them, so I can't sit <laughs> Do you know what, I mean? what are they here now? They well, won't be listening. <laughs> here, they won't be listening. There's, Let's there's be No honest. way they're listening. <laughs> But well, do you know what? When I quit that job, they were both still there and I told them both on my last day. Mm-hmm. I said, just that, so, you know, I've been on 5K more. Right. You need to ask for a pay rise. And then one of them quit like the week later Whoa. and went to a new job for yeah. way more money. I, guess I just wish I'd said it yeah, sooner. I guess
0: your concern is
1: that you're going to get
0: you're paid Penalized deducted.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was worried I was going to get into trouble if I
2: said something, but by the time I was leaving, I thought, well, fuck no it, consequence, it, it's fine. Yeah. But I do wish I'd said something before but because that's they could just have... It. But that's just it because we are protecting employers by choosing not to discuss and have those honest conversations. Yeah. Yes. We're protecting that unfairness, that un inequitable practice, boom, yeah. genius, <laughs> <laughs> by choosing not to be transparent about that. But yeah, I'm, I absolutely advocate, have them honest conversations with your colleagues.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. And having those diverse um, voices on board yeah. in, in those senior leadership teams, because I actually teach um, a module for level six, which is business ethics. Mm. Well, it's personal professional ethics, but I teach about ethical leadership. Yeah. And it's so important because like you said, it doesn't matter what, if 80% of the organization institution whatever it is has good values when it comes to equity and diversity Mm. but if the three white blokes at the top that don't share those values well Mm. you can't ever make those changes can you so having that diverse representation of those high levels Mm. how we get there I don't know
0: yeah I I also think it's mad that we expect we want to encourage diversity in universities or in these like Mm. um oh what's the word yeah I guess universities institutions that's the word thank you um And like, I know from doing research into, you know, how much, because I'm in STEM, Mm. and I found like a shocking um, figure, which was that only 9% of the STEM professors in the UK are female, and less than 0.1% of the STEM professors are black. Mm -hmm. And then we're also adding on to the layer of we're not even paying them the equal rate. In what way? How do we even tackle, you know, wanting wanting diversity and black researchers to come on board, yet we're not even saying that you're worth mm. us paying you an equal rate. Mm. It's, mm. it's wild to me, but it's nice to know that maybe if we start having these conversations with people, you know, and then they'll hopefully filter the way mm. up. Mm. But it's, hard it's, it's hard.
1: Like I know our institution, <clears throat> like you said, right, yeah. it's very, EDI is everywhere. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing it needs to be, but I do sometimes worry whether it is surface level Most times it is, let's be honest. Because
2: everyone's going for a chartership and an award and CSR and all. It's like, is it genuine? Is it genuine? And that's
1: the thing, isn't it? Because we've now got associate deans for EDI Mm. for pretty much all the faculties. And I think that can be positive, right? But then I also worry because... How many hours, you know, like in academia you get your workload allocation model, right? Mm-hmm. And you get given so like I'm a supervisor for um dissertation students, right? Mm-hmm. And I get four hours for each student, whatever you get given these hours. Mm. And I'm thinking these people, and most of them are black people, they've mm. been given these roles, are they actually being compensated for the extra work mm. that it takes? Do you know what I mean? That worries me as well. Mm, yeah. What, if they're going to get extra... Well, are they being compensated with no their time properly no. And, and money? Or is it just a voluntary, come and do some great things for EDI, oh, but do it for free? Oh, it's free labour. It They've been asking is. for free labour, expecting free labour mm. to this day. Mm. Because it's... How do you feel in terms of, do you
0: feel like it's... People inflict, it's your... Um, oh, my God, what's
2: going on my brain? <laughs> Simple word. Um... Duty, responsibility, obligation. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you're a genius. What's going on with me? We
0: did
1: say before. Oh no. Morning, oh it's, no it's
0: be do you feel like you get pinned as it's your responsibility um, to teach us um, within this role of, um, you know, what it's like to be um, within research and how to diversify it more
2: When I was in full time employment, when I was an employee, yes, the expectation is oh, it's culture day. Can you do something for us? Can you embed something into the curriculum that allows us to take this box? And was it paid? Absolutely not. It's just an added voluntary extra and get on with your normal job. Mm. Yeah. And expecting you to have all the knowledge
0: and be an expert in that area is also wild. Just because
2: I'm black doesn't mean I have expert knowledge on how to be fairer to black people. Do you know what I mean? Like That's your job occupationally. I am the person that needs to be served. But you are asking me to provide a solution for a problem somebody else has created that I am experiencing and suffering for. Um, but it's exhausting. That, it's really exhausting. There's, there's quite an emotional labor. I feel like a lot of people of color have gone through, especially that post-George Floyd period yeah. where because it was such a loud conversation across the board, there was weird expectation that all the people of color will create a staff network, a student voice experience, a this and that, an event, a CPD. And it's like, well, why, why is it being pinned down on this particular group of people to, to educate you? However, on the flip side of that, I have committed to Rara, which allows me to take responsibility for filling in some of those knowledge gaps from an education perspective. But that was a, a choosing to respond to the knowledge gaps that I identified. And you now signpost yourself as That's it.
0: someone who you like. We can ask you for these matters. That's it. Rather than just going to any 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 person, going any colleague. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, do you know about this? Just because you experienced that marginal? Yeah. you're in that marginalized group. Like, That's it. It's just not. I think yeah. I I remember a few of my friends going, just like don't ask me. Yeah. And 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 I, at first I was like, would you, I? Yeah. I was I I felt like I was entitled to be taught. Yeah. And I'm gonna hold my hands up. I was wrong. I yeah. was fully in the wrong. And then once you learn about it more and just do your own internal digging. Yeah. And like assess yourself and where you stand in this and how you're yeah. complicit in it. Then you re- you start to realize. Oh, okay. Well, that was so unfair on me to expect. Yeah, like someone to teach me everything about it. Well,
2: that's it because that's that's like the same thing as if we're dealing with the issue of discrimination against women, and then you get all the men in the room in the in the in the in the workforce saying, "All right, then, women, you teach us what to do." It's like, well, you're the perpetrators for starters. So just stop yeah. doing what you're doing, mm. and, and that then just maybe as well, it? do you know what I mean? So it's the same yeah. thing. It's like why ask the oppressed group to tell you how to stop oppressing them? Mm. Yeah, like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't sense. make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, well, um, go on to the next question because I feel like there's there's so much I want to ask you, but we'll, we don't have time. Um, as our listeners heard at the start of the episode, your doctoral research focuses on critical race theory and intersectionality theory, amplifying the voice of black women in teaching. Mm. Um, can you explain, um, for those who aren't as familiar with these theories and of these experiences of black women in teaching, what some of the main issues um, that your research focuses on?
2: Mm. Okay, so... I'll define very quickly cri- critical race theory and intersectionality theory. I'll try to do it in layman's terms. Um, this so- is a test now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in your vibe now. I- <laughs> so critical race theory um, is very much a framework that allows us to look at how, how race is viewed or how race is um, operated in society. So critical race theorists believe that racism is very much embedded in the fabric of society. So the way that systems and institutions and everything is built to some way, in some way, shape or form continues to perpetuate racism in different forms. So it's about challenging that is how do we challenge the way that maybe we do recruitment? How do we um, do criminal law and justice and and whatever else? So it's about challenging that. Um, Whereas intersectionality theory looks at how, some of these, some of our protected characteristics intersect. So you might experience multiple forms of oppression or discrimination. Mm-hmm. So I am not just black. I'm a black woman. I'm a black Christian woman. I'm a black young Christian woman. Yeah. I'm an unmarried black Christian woman. You know so I mean? So there's all these different things around me that, so as a person of faith, what's my experience in a workplace as a young black woman where I'm probably the, usually the youngest staff member in my department. What does that look like when I'm playing with the age variable and the gender mm. variable and the, the race variable. So it's looking at how like all our protected characteristics intersect to almost create like a double, triple burden. And it's how do we then challenge that to ensure that our colleagues, our students are not experiencing multiple forms of discrimination at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. That's- wow, that sounds... Unbelievably interesting. Yeah. Mm. I always picture it as a trifle.
0: Mm. I don't know why. I always picture like um, different, like every, people are like a new trifle when you've got like layers to it. Yeah. All and their the identity, Yeah. And the more layers, the, obviously the more complex it gets, yeah. and the more enriched it gets. and yeah. Delicious the trifle gets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you focus on like, because um, I know it's black women in teaching, isn't mm. it? Is it a certain level of teaching? Do you look mainly at like schools
2: rather than uni? Yeah. I, I decided to focus on secondary education only because that's my teaching background in in high schools um, because the dynamics are different from secondary to higher education or from primary to high school I remember like doing my work experience in in a primary school after one week I was like yeah this is not for me I can't do a baby voice all week <laughs> like I just I just couldn't do it What was your was subject by the way English and psychology ah uh, I could have um, guessed that yeah really yeah because oh, okay. you said you were a bit of a wordsmith before okay. <laughs> so I was thinking
1: maybe English
2: yeah so yeah. So for me, it was because of my experience teaching in secondary education, I thought I wanted to compare my story against theirs. So trying to keep it within that that age. Oh, that's cool. So that's is so it I'm autoethnographic? Just... Is that the
1: word? Is, what, is... what does that mean? So you have like ethnographic research as a methodology. It's like a type of qualitative research. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when it's autoethnographic, correct me if this is total bullshit, Jez, mm-hmm. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you put yourself as an insider in the research and okay. you're almost like not a participant in the research, but you're very...
2: But (laughs) I'm active in it in some way, shape, form. So I have to um, journal and document like my participation in it. So for example, I consider myself an insider in the research because... I'm race congruent and I'm gender congruent and I'm occupationally congruent to my participants. So because there are so many similarities, there could be some bias in there because I see myself in them. Like, am I still being scientific about the way that I'm engaging with it? So like looking at my lens. So, yeah, it is because of how much I'm having to be reflexive about my journey while I'm conducting the research.
0: I feel like research has definitely taken um, its progress so much from everyone was so worried about biases and how they affect and yeah. how they um you know have an effect on research and, yeah and don't have your own personal i guess opinion yeah um but i feel like we're moving away from that in terms of i mean a lot of researchers now um asking what's ppie which is public engagement mm. which is just a form of what you're doing is getting the lived experience and mm. you are a live, in, you are expressing your voice as a lived experience but also still collecting the data so it, it mm. can be transferable right yeah,
1: yeah. yeah i think we're getting into the realms of like research philosophy aren't we yeah mm. with the whole you know positivism and it's the idea that bias you know you remove it from your research and more and more i think what you'll say as well is that like we're acknowledging that no bias does exist mm. and actually we want to embrace it and, and it enriches our mm.
0: data yeah. actually rather than it, rather than, I don't know, taking it away from mm. it and looking at it completely. Definitely. Un- yeah, it definitely enriches the data. People mm. are more and more inclined, whereas I know previously people were more like, you can't do that if you've got yeah. personal, mm. uh, you know, if, if you're
1: dealing with this yourself.
0: And mm.
1: but- Thinking back to what you said before about emotional burden, I imagine... That's quite, you know, yeah. difficult research to sometimes
2: have to process, is it? It was difficult at the point of listening to all the stories because mm. there was me thinking, oh, I had a horrible experience. And then you hear someone else and it's worse than yours. You're like, oh, the world is falling apart. Oh. But um, I think, yeah, listening to other people's stories, and it was quite heavy to realize, like in 2023, in the 21st century, why are some of these things still going on in the classroom, in the staff room? So, yeah, that was quite heavy. But I think, being able to step away from it and kind of see bigger picture and look at, all right, what are the core issues Mm. and how are we going to start addressing them? I think thinking towards the interventions for me is giving me a little bit of hope that I'm moving in the right direction to doing something about it. You're part of the change. Yeah. Being part of the change. Yeah. What yeah. are
0: some of the, do you know, have you got to that stage yet? Yeah, what, what are some of the core issues?
2: So right now I've collected, I've analysed all my data. I'm simply reporting. I'm just at the writing stage right hey. now. So oh, ask nice. me in a couple of months how I'm getting on because yeah. it should be done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. But in terms of interventions, I can't say I've got some just yet, but my area of focus is going to be around sort of recruitment and retention. Right. Also don't tell us because it's actually juicy finding. Oh, what what
1: I- no. I- she needs
2: to keep it for a publication. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to be fair, because I've not got anything set in stone yet, I'm allowed to say. Um, <laughs> but it's really around recruitment and retention in that. I'm sick and tired of the recruitment campaigns where an institution gets, um, let's put some black and Asian staff on the ads so that we can attract more talent, more diverse talent. And then they get them in and they don't keep them. And it's like, well, why aren't you keeping your diverse talent that you got in? Why are you losing them so quickly? So for me, my focus then is the retention element being around like culture change and transformation within organizations and looking at how, how practices can be more inclusive and embracing of all, as opposed to discriminating on some and not keeping others. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where because representation heading. so matters, doesn't mm. it? To to
0: visually a child or whoever to visually be able to see themselves and oh, no, but- okay, I can do that. But if they're not being able to retain them, yeah,
2: yeah, then there's something fundamentally wrong yeah. there. But even beyond visually, I think relationally, it's looking yeah. at that teaching and learning experience and how it can be impacted by just having diverse staff in the room. It's like. I remember when I was teaching, I was the first black person some of my students ever saw in their whole entire lives. What? And like, they'd be like, miss, why would you do, why'd you do your hair like that? Uh. Oh, miss, you've changed your hair again. (laughs) (laughs) Miss, your hair was longer than that last week. What have you done with it? And like, you could see there was such an intrigue because they have never encountered a person of color before. And I feel like I was like walking education for them because Mm. there was, so much exposure they never experienced but even from a member of staff staff perspective of we had like in my old school a lot of like muslim students, that want a few muslim students and the staff did not know how to deal with them so they were asking me like they were like arab muslim students and i'm like so because i'm the only staff of color in the room i'm gonna have the answers to all the cultural issues pertaining to every student of color in the room (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Like, have gonna- you heard of Google, love? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so for me, for me, them relational aspects where staff just not n- knowing how to deal with safeguarding issues and families that are not white British, it was just like, whoa, like, there is a need for representation yeah. on all accounts. Yeah. And they'll, yeah, there's room for, I think
0: this was so frustrating. Everyone's so like, well, there's no room, but there's room yeah. for everyone. Yeah. There's room for all these staff members.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. there's a
0: real need for it, clearly, yeah, evidently. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mad.
1: Yeah. Um, I honestly think I could talk to you about yeah. this all day, but we're going to have to start wrapping it Oh my up. gosh, look at the time. I hate I to know. say this, but um, for our listeners who mm-hmm. are listening now, and um, I'm sure they're, you know, really interested and impressed by everything that you do with Rara and mm-hmm. all the different projects that you do. And they're maybe sat there thinking, you know, what can I get involved in? Maybe there's specific things that you do, you know, projects or whatever that you run, or maybe just changes that
2: you think they could be involved in. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think when we start looking at change and how we can all be a part of change, I think it really starts with the little things and charity begins at home. It's looking at your environment. How do you engage with your environment? Do you have a diverse environment, community, network? I'll be honest, I grew up around black Africans all my life. I went to a predominantly white school, but outside of school, I only knew black people. And then going to uni, I'm mostly just chilled with black people. But now I'm at a point where leaving university... I don't go to an all black church anymore. I go to a predominantly white church. And as a consequence of that, and connecting with my colleagues at different places of work, I've got a very diverse network. So now I can have very multicultural conversations around all things pertaining to life. So because I've made a conscious effort to surround myself with different folks from different strokes, feel so cool. <laughs> I'm
0: definitely cool going to say that
2: t-shirt. Oh my god, it's the merch coming out? <laughs> I would wear that for sure. <laughs> I would wear that. But because of that, I feel like I just I function and live with such an awareness of difference and and how the world works in different ways, how people have their dinner, what people celebrate across different times a year, how people prefer to engage with people. And and I feel like that goes that down to sort of educating myself, learning how the world works in order to, to be more informed, just to be more informed. So I think that educating yourself boils down to just opening yourself up to more opportunities, join a club, join a society, get involved with the world, different communities, people that don't look like you, learn about the world. And I think that's when you start learning how you might respond and start making a difference because you now know something, you know yeah. what I mean? I yeah, that. and you can
0: you can relate, I guess, like
2: often people get wrapped up in their own echo chamber yeah. and bubble. Yeah. And then
0: and as soon as they actually start talking to people, I don't know why it takes them for that to realise that, oh my God, we're all just... People. Humans and yep. people. Yep.
1: Uh, that's such good advice. Exposure. For exposure, people, yeah. Thinking of exposure, for people that want to listen to your podcast,
2: mm. how can they find it? What's it called? It's called Being Black in Britain, BBIB, or hashtag BBIB. Um, you'll find it on YouTube and all other podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, Apple, Apple Music, yeah, yeah. The Apple Podcasts, sorry, not Apple Music. Yeah. Amazon, maybe? Amazon, <laughs> all of them, all of them. All of them. Of yeah. All of them.
0: Um, yeah, that's it. I would so recommend going go to your podcast. It's so good. Oh, honestly, you. the vibe is there as well. <laughs> I hate to say it. But it's really, it's and a it's really good. And it's more
1: professional than ours.
2: Yeah, oh, oh, no. honestly, <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <please. laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing everything you
2: do. Hello. um Well, thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for for me. On. Thanks it's been on. so
1: lovely. And just for the listeners, we're actually sat in the dark now because <laughs> the timer has gone off. We're sat in the pitch black.
0: It's basically our our time to tell the guests to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Your time's up. Get out of Bye. here. <laughs> no, thanks so much. It's been
1: amazing. Oh, thanks, thanks for that. having me, thanks girls.
2: For coming on. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: Wow, wow, wow. What an amazing woman. Incredible. She's gone, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd uh, give you guys a bit of inspiration before we. <laughs> can't, <you imagine, laughs>
0: can't you imagine saying that? She just sat there in the corner, like, uh, these girls are actually, weird. She's just it on her bags. And we're going, wow, <laughs>
1: look at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such a cackle from, from both of us like, <laughs> no but seriously no yeah uh, yeah very impressive and we hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Cheds please let us know um, go and follow her on Instagram as well she's at the back researcher on Instagram so you can go and check her out but let's hear some inspiration Em. have you got a quote for us today
0: yeah I do <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, my brains. I thought it was you that was giving the quote. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah. So my quote is, act as if what you do makes a difference.
1: It does. That's such a good quote. I actually love that. Yeah, it is.
0: You're making a difference whether you think it or not.
1: Yes, so keep going. Every small thing, like Chad said, you know, in our main ramble today, it's the small changes that make a difference. So keep on keeping on, and we'll <laughs> see you next week. Keep on keeping
0: on. That's definitely. Don't like stop. Don't stop. In a country-western song, isn't it? <laughs> Come. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Come with me and you'll see. You know what? Instead of going and giving us a um, like or follow on Instagram, honestly, go see what Sheds is doing. I know we said that but we're not going to ask you to do something for us. The thing we're going to ask you to do is go check her out. She does amazing amazing stuff yeah uh,
1: how she balances it all I'm not really sure I think we need a whole other episode talking about her general yeah. like experience yeah. as a well BHA. she does do
0: like blogs um, yeah and I remember reading a blog of, about her like PhD tips and productivity but she does some amazing stuff within within our community and within the educational system so that's it I'm gonna stop there mm. <laughs> join us next
1: week guys we love learn-